This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Okay, welcome Adam Roa to the Breaking Normal podcast. What's up, Daniel? How you doing, brother? Man, well, I'm doing great. I immediately think back, it was probably about a year and a half ago, I'm imagining, that I was on your podcast and my uh, Ohm Daddy video was just like hitting, <laughs> hitting the streets around yeah. the world, going viral. And um, I think that racked up like the original upload around 40 million views and we spoke about that on your podcast. I think that's how we started out. And let's let's flip the script here yeah. because you have a video that i think was specifically uploaded by goalcast mm -hmm. do you know how many views that vi video is? last that i checked it was at 145 million <laughs> so it's 145 million views that's do you know what the record is on facebook holy mackerel the well, what i do know is goalcast which is this really large platform for motivational content um contacted me to let me know it was the best performing video that they had ever put out like their their personal um and it's not based on number and like quantity but just in terms of the speed at which it was growing and it was shared i mean it had 24 million views in the first 24 hours it was just going outrageous and so um i i like to think that i broke the internet <laughs> is that the, can i say that it was that cool and the funny thing is is i had very little to do with it yeah, okay, so n what? Yeah, tell me about this. How did that look like? It was a speech or a performance um, of spoken word. Is that what that was at a an event? It looked like. Yeah. So basically, I was at a um, Kyle Cease event. Kyle Cease, uh, you know him. He's a great uh, thought leader and motivational speaker and personal development coach. And um, I was at his event and. While I was there, I got pulled. It's its own cool story. So I'm trying to like cliff notes this because there's a bunch of different tangents I could go on. But essentially, I got pulled up on stage uh, impromptu and did this poem, uh, which I had prepared and memorized because, you know, I was touring my spoken word poetry show. And I delivered this poem. He had like eight cameras there filming the whole thing for him. They actually put it together and sent it to me. Um, I cut it down and posted it on my Facebook. My Facebook uh, got like 500,000 views, which is amazing. Yeah. It was just like on my own personal Facebook. Completely died out, forgot about it. S then um, my friends at Superhero Academy, when I they actually cut together a little piece with the like words at the bottom, you know, like everyone loves on the internet where <laughs> you don't have to listen to the sound. And so they cut that together. They shared it. 500,000 views or something like that. Some random dude named Russell, I'm calling you out, Russell, thank you so much, because he shared that video, and just his share, and he's one of those individuals that has like just a few hundred friends on Facebook, it's not a big page or anything, just some guy somewhere in the United States shared it, and for whatever reason, that share went viral, and I got a message from someone when it was at one million views. They go, did you know your poem has a million views? I went, what? And he had shared, he had shared that thing. Um, and so I, I reached out to him and I said, hey, thank you so much for sharing this. There's been a million views. That's amazing. Could you possibly tag me 
in it. <laughs> Could you possibly just like let people know that was that was my piece of okay, art? Okay, so he Russell re-uploaded it. It was a he didn't share it from the superhero academy page. He actually downloaded it and re-uploaded it. He he shared it from whatever like from superhero academy or whatever, but there was no tagging of of me in it. Okay. So I didn't know. Like it got to a million views and I had no idea. And for me, the, the tagging is as an artist. Um, the tagging's not even about like growing the following or anything. The tagging is just like if people want to know more, if you know, when you go, who is that? Who's that song? We have Shazam, so that we can do that. And so, how do I find out more of those person? That person. And so, he tagged me in it, <laughs> and then somehow, some way, Goldcast saw that video, and reached out to me on Instagram, and literally just said, "Hey, we love this. Could we turn it into?" A, a version for ourselves and I said yes so they cut it together they did the thing and a couple months later I get a message hey your video is gonna be live in the next 48 hours I was in Bali at the time stressing out about the show the art of choosing love and, and my YouTube show that we were filming and I was like going into breakdown and I wake up and I go on social media and I had like so many Instagram and Facebook requests and things and I didn't understand what was happening. And then I remembered the goal casting and I went and it was, it had been uploaded I think four hours earlier and it was at 8 million views in the first four hours. And I just went, something's happening. Something is happening. And you with your own data, you know, the, like there's a flood of energy that comes back when that stuff starts. And so um, navigating that, was uh, I, I did it with as much ease and grace as I could. <laughs> and it definitely it was more stressful than I, than I would have liked it to be going into it if I could have chosen. Yeah, there's so, it's so fun to talk to you about this because we're both in a pretty unique situation in these videos that we've uh, made or were a part of that keep going viral in a way. And I can, I've had people actually re-upload the Om Daddy videos from their like Instagram page and like put their watermarks on it and stuff and not tag me. Yeah. And so that's been weird for me. Yeah. And then that's, I'm not sure that would be as easy to figure out because yours is a full like a it's a full piece of poetic expression that's that from I've a written, specific man. Yeah, I wrote it. I performed it. I, yeah, all of it. And I think for me, that, that anyways, I could go down that rabbit trail. I want to keep this uh, with that <laughs> experience for you. Did, I mean, is that like a, would you consider this a big like break in your career like or like a huge yeah. shifting point? And how has that showed up, shown up since? Because I haven't seen you probably in person. I saw you it's in Shasta. Mount Shasta right you before, Shasta. but that had not gone viral. Did you see that episode, by the way? Um, the episode of the Art of Jesus oh, no, on Mount no. Shasta? You should see it just because then you'll know what we went and did. Okay, so how <laughs> do we find it. that? Because I want to watch that and that way other people that want to yeah, tune if you, in. If people want to tune into the show, it's um, you can go to theartofchoosinglove.com, theartofchoosinglove.com, and all the videos are there. Or you can search it on, on um, uh, YouTube because it's all available there. But essentially, we went out to Mount Shasta, had a medicine journey and a healing experience that looked like an exorcism like it was super intense one of those really um powerful things where i went most people don't even have a reference point for this sort of experience and uh it was just so funny running into you right before that so um yeah if you if you choose you can go and see what we did after running into you in mount shasta but that's the last time that we saw each other 
and then since then, that's when the your video went ultra viral. So has it has there been any like big news since then for the art of choosing love and your personal career as well? I mean, the, the poem going viral has shifted the trajectory of a lot, one hundred percent. The I mean, my like for a tangible for people, right? The the video went viral in I think November, I think November, and within a month we had gone from eight or nine thousand the fans on our Facebook page to I think we're at about a hundred and ten thousand now so within such a short window of two months that kind of growth um, yeah the poem 100% you know every every Avenue the Instagram YouTube subscribers all of that stuff and the thing that I'm most proud of though is I believe that what we had done leading up to that was get really good at what we were doing so that I feel as if if someone were to come to the YouTube uh, show or my Instagram, there's a quality level. There's a, there's a consistency to our content that it's not a flash in the pan. It's not a, oh, that was a really amazing poem. I like that. And I'm going to be so disappointed by everything else. It's like, no, I actually really stand behind the amount of energy and time and, and, just learning that has gone into being able to create what we've created and that's now being recognized i'm having it's funny because i put a podcast my own podcast the deep dive which you've been on um that recently i i did an episode because i was just listed by goalcast as one of the top 33 game changers to look out for in 2019 on that list, you have Elon Musk and Will Smith and LeBron James and Adam Roa and Michelle Obama. And like, I'm, I'm going, what? And I woke up again. I didn't know. I wasn't told about this. Someone sent it to me and I had my imposter syndrome kick in. I had the part of me that went, you do not deserve that. You do not deserve to be on a list with any of those people. And, uh, but when I look around right now, Daniel, it's, it's so crazy because I'm, I'm, I'm having these amazing opportunities. I'm speaking at Oslo Freedom Forum in in um, May, which is the largest conference that the Human Rights Foundation puts on every year in Oslo, Norway, with people who have spoken at that before, Nobel Prize winners, and people who have been POWs and journalism and stuff like, and again, the imposter syndrome. And then what I'm doing currently is recognizing all the different aspects of my life where I'm feeling that imposter syndrome and recognizing at what point will I just say, yo, you're doing something amazing. And, and it's starting to be recognized in a way where these opportunities are presenting themselves. And the fact that those opportunities are there is evidence enough that you're worthy of them as opposed to what's been happening. And I've been facing off with, which is the, you don't deserve that. Don't let them find out that you're, you're a fake, you're a fraud. <laughs> I, what do you, and what do you, I mean, you can answer this as personally as you want, obviously, but what do you think you're afraid of them finding out about you? Like, where does this fraudulent um, resonance maybe rooted in? Well, it's, it's completely nonsensical in, in like, what is, at what point do we decide, oh yeah, I'm worthy of being on that list or on that stage or like, it's completely um, nonsensical in that sense. If someone invites me to speak on a stage, I get to go, oh, I am worthy of being invited to speak on that stage. And I think what it, it's rooted in for me 
Hmm. I believe that for a lot of my life, early on especially, I was using achievement and and accomplishments to validate my worthiness. My me being worthy of love was directly correlated to the amount of achievement I had under my belt. And I think what I'm feeling now is a a normal feeling when when faced with the edges of what has been normal. When I'm breaking normal, there's going to be new sensations in my body and one of the responses that my body has had because of how I was growing up is you're not worthy of that. Like that there's something that's, that's gone wrong and I'm noticing those, those responses kick in and I'm so grateful for that because I get to, to talk myself out of it <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm wanting to dig into this with you because I believe you're such a open book, open hearted, flexible minded, and, uh, um, obviously on a very affirming path and for, and it's maybe fresh, somewhat fresh. Um, and I, I believe a lot of people don't allow themselves to get to certain levels of what they perceive to be success because that terror barrier, terror barrier, terror that, barrier, yeah, that they're unwilling to feel unwilling mm -hmm. to feel the sensations of their body that come along with breaking through mm -hmm. that fear. So that's why I think this is such a big topic. I want people that are listening to really tune into what is their current terror barrier? Because I don't think it goes away necessarily. What's the current edge? Yeah. And are you avoiding it unconsciously and telling yourself a story to protect yourself around it? And um, it sounds like you've noted, you have some sort of awareness. It's like, oh, you feel the sensations in your body. So you're obviously somewhat of attuned to this. You're not calling it like anxiety even. You're just saying sensations in your body. What do those feel like? What do you do with them? Yeah, well, what's interesting is if you were to have someone describe their experience of, of nervousness, um, and if you were to have them describe their experience of excitement, the sensations in the body are basically the same. You can have your temperature rise, you can have your heart rate increase, your palms can get a, a little sweaty, you could get some butterflies in your stomach. All of those things can happen. And so what describes it as being nervous versus being excited is simply the value you assign to it. The moment that I take that, that um, say I'm going bungee jumping and I'm, I'm oh my gosh, I'm, uh, ooh, I'm, I'm feeling all those things. Well, the moment I say that's nerves, I've assigned that value to that experience because I'm allowing myself to think about what could go wrong. Right, and that's generally where that's that's values coming from. Like, what if it snaps? What if this thing breaks? What if I hurt myself? What if I throw up on myself? Like, whatever. And thinking about that, what could go wrong, means oh, I'm definitely nervous about what could go wrong. And the same feelings of going bungee jumping, feeling all that stuff, and going, oh my gosh, it's I'm gonna have a chance to fly, like to fly through the air for the first time in my entire life, and I'm gonna experience something that so few people on this planet will ever experience in their life. Now I'm in excitement. I'm excitement at the opportunity of what could could go right, what could what could open up for me. And so this the sensations in the body, um, so often uh, you know, they're they're a compass, they're compass markers, 
but they are not independent of our intention and our perception. Everything that we experience f filters through the lens of our own perception. And so the more that we can take on our con conscious control as the creators of our reality, the more that we can say, I am setting the intention to consistently lean into those edges of discomfort, of that tear barrier, and see that feeling in my system as being an opportunity for growth as opposed to a reason to stay the same. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big topic. Like, I, I, I almost feel like I talk about this topic in different ways almost every conversation I have on this podcast. <laughs> well, you're breaking normal, um, which is, you know, for most people, normal is... Um, giving in to fear, honestly, giving into comfort. Let's put it this way, giving into fear, which looks like staying in the comfort zone. And the other way, which would be breaking normal, would also be maybe the path or the art of choosing love. And uh, <laughs> how do you do that? How do you recommend people doing that? How do, like, I, I, especially, we'll keep it personal. Like, how do you, I've, I've heard you recontextualize these as opportunities, like fun, faithful opportunities. But what about the voice? It's like you're not good enough. Do you, what do you do with that? I think it's a multifaceted approach. I think that I'm consistently going in from all angles. So, for example, even if we broke it into just my body physically, very simple, like people can tune into this. One of the things that I have recently received, like the directives from spirit, the, the way that I move through life so for people who aren't aware, like um, <laughs> I basically in meditations and plant medicine ceremonies and just intuition, when I receive messages of, hey, do this, I, I jump, I go right into it full force. And uh, that that is something that I've done now for many, many years and it's worked out tremendously well and uh, is not for everyone, but I encourage it. And one of the big directives that's coming through recently is around um, nutrition, like the physical body and recognizing that I talk about following the intuition, even as I just did. And so many people are so disconnected from being able to feel their intuition and hear their intuition because of how dulled and numb their senses have become because of the crap they're putting in their bodies. And so from one standpoint of learning to develop intuition, it, it's a physical thing. Uh, taking care of myself physically. Uh, one step is a mental thing, like just the the analysis, the thought process, going into allowing myself to read books about what it is that I'm working on, to watch YouTube things that inspire me, um, listen to podcasts. When I started my healing journey from, from um, sexual trauma, I had no idea. Okay, I, I just found out, I was molested at the age of five. I didn't find out until I was in my 30s how do I deal with that? And, and starting to mentally like give myself the, the tools and the skills to be able to allow my conscious mind to feel like it was doing something. And then there's the emotional uh, level, which is simply allowing myself to feel because our emotions store in our body. There's evidence now it stores literally in the fascia and, and in our cells. And so you can find genetic markers of uh, people who are descendants of people from the Holocaust. So trauma, that's ancestral karma. When we talk about it, literally it stores in the DNA. You you have the potential of storing the genetic coding of trauma from generations before. And so that's the emotions of allowing it to move through. And then lastly, I would say spiritually. Spiritually, 
um, going into whatever the practice is. For me, plant medicine plays a big role in that. Meditation, Vipassana style meditation, if, I, if I, I've done one of those. Um, the end of last year, I was in breakdown, so I went to an island in Thailand by myself and spent five days in silence just by myself. Um, like those sorts of things for my, for my spiritual growth. So it's a multifaceted approach. Well, yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Great. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> the emotional, I want to dive a little bit more into like you, the example you used that you found out you were molested at age five when you were 30 something. Um, that's a big topic. So I, a lot of the, <laughs> of, a lot of our tribe designs and other experiences I've co-facilitated and been part of, that's maybe the number one, I would say the number one trauma people may be facing that I've experienced in very real ways is something sexual at a very early age. Mm -hmm. And I would go as far, uh, not uh, not to put them in the same exact category, but I feel like I borderline, was, I, mean, I, I definitely am not borderline. Let me don't, let me don't put, pull any punches here. I feel like I was um, violated with the, me being circumcised. Mm. And that was like day eight or something. So I don't think I remember that, but maybe my, like mentally, but my body might. Oh, there, I mean, there's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of evidence. And in, in um, uh, the kind of, I don't even know what, how, how to categorize it, but I've heard um, from several practitioners that uh, the foreskin of a man is actually connected energetically and and possibly nervefully nerves wise uh to the heart and so you can imagine the trauma caused to an energetic connection to the heart in men at such a young age um and like i was circumcised as well and um i i won't be circumcising my my child when uh, with that that being wants to come through but um regardless my to your point in a weird way, trauma, and specifically sexual trauma, is the entry point that connects most people. Because if you look at the statistics and the numbers, um, it's more than half of women who have experienced some form of um, feeling violated sexually, and the sexual assault, uh, what, and that doesn't even include like the cat calls and the objectification and the like that those sorts of things, um, and uh, men is I think the last numbers I had seen were something like one in four or something, and that's grossly underreported. So, for example, my sexual uh, assault is not even reported. So, I'm sec I'm not even in the statistics of of men who've experienced that. And so, when you look at it, I believe it to be more than half of the world's population has experienced some form of sexual abuse in some way, shape, or form, and. Um, so if we can see that as a, a connection point, I think that might be the way that we move through it. Uh, the, the only way out is through. And so the way that we move through it and learn to love it and, and embrace it and find the lessons in it is when we can see the gifts in it. And in, in that way, that's how I'm choosing to see it is I'm now connected. I'm connected to... Um, so many people on this planet, I can, I can relate to so many people on this planet, um, in this particular way. And I, um, there, yeah, it's beautiful. There's, you mentioned that there's way, many ways you go about this healing of sorts. Um, but specifically on the sexual 
or a, a sexual trauma at an early age and the emotional turmoil that might come with that, like realizing that at a later age and how that may be affecting someone. Is there any specific modalities or strategies that you would recommend the listener <laughs> experimenting or exploring? I mean, I have no idea. I have no idea, man. There's not a there's not a blueprint for it. And that's why the show, The Art of Choosing Love, is so important to me from from my own healing, but also for other people. Because basically what I've done is put a camera on, like we're just talking about Mount Shasta. We're talking about the first time I opened up publicly about it. The first time I ever spoke about it publicly was on stage in front of 1,500 people. And not even people, 1,500 women. And, and so there's a... The journey, I didn't know how much was connected. So for example, I, I went to New York. This is another episode. Went to New York and I got on dating apps for the very first time because um, my previous partner of nine and a half years and I broke up right before I started filming this show and I'd never seen what Tinder even looks like. I didn't even know these things. And so as an episode, we went on and I downloaded the apps and created it and started dating. I was struggling with the whole thing. There was so much resistance to the whole process. Little did I know that I had a story that had been created at the age of five when, when I was molested that to do everything you can to not be the, the target of someone's sexual energy. Mm. That, that being the target of someone's sexual energy is not safe and can cause intense pain and that was imprinted at a very young age i didn't know that but when i started to get into these online dating apps and i have people around me who i really trust who are reflecting this back to me they're like no you got to put a shirtless photo in your profile the whole thing is about being sexy like yes there's there, and then fun sexy banter and the whole this whole thing and i got to see how uncomfortable i was intentionally saying i want to be seen as sexy and when I went into my processes around, okay, well, what is that? Why is that the way it is? And for anyone listening, the starting place, really the basic starting place is asking why. Because the reason you're thinking what you're thinking is because of certain beliefs that you have. The reason you're feeling what you're feeling is because of certain beliefs that you have. Our beliefs are creating our reality. And so if, if we just question it all, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel uncomfortable with the idea of being sexy? Why do I feel uncomfortable with the idea of a woman f letting me know, hey, I find you sexy, and then having that contract me? Um, only through asking those questions was I able to, to like put it together and be like, whoa, whoa, I've, I've felt unsafe being the, the desire of someone's sex sexual advances. And so that's a tangible example, and it's the reason why I'm sharing on the show is because I just want people to see what I'm doing because I don't have the answers. I'm in it. But I think it's really valuable because we have enough people saying, hey, look at me over here on the mountaintop telling you what to do. And in today's day and age, like we have the ability to just show it. <laughs> Let me just show it to you. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced that one of the most loving um and superior paths one can take this day and age is to accurately report what's happening for them mm. and then to choose faith and continuously accurately reporting what's happening for them mm -hmm. instead of like projecting instead of passing along the spells of culture 
but just really tune in and doing what you're doing and really asking why is this happening or why do I feel this way? Why, why, why? And then you can start sharing with other people. And I've found that when someone does that, we'll find out that's what's most personal is actually most universal. Mm-hmm. And I want, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting to a root of something here with you that you mentioned the meditations and God's voice speaking to you in a way. Mm-hmm. And then you also mentioned the, you're not good enough. Um, so I, how do you discern it when God's voice or the, the one you're going to go all in on versus mm-hmm. the, maybe the parasitic or I call it a parasite that, mm-hmm. uh, that fearful thought, how do you discern that yourself? Well, there's, uh, two points to that one. I think intuition is a skill that we develop. I think we all have it. We all have intuition and, um, for anyone listening to this, who's like wanting to, to create a deeper relationship with their intuition, start there. Do you, have you ever viewed it as a relationship? Have you ever viewed it as a skill that you could develop? And if not, amazing. Be honest about that. Own that you're a beginner in the intuition skill set development and then just start working on it. Um, I've been working on my intuition now, I, I think actively consciously working on my intuition maybe four years um to developing it to the point where it does feel like a voice in my head yelling at me and saying do this do this um and then the other thing is how it feels in the body so like the simple starting point is how does it actually feel in my body to think about um well let's say we use the the dating right and to have this um this woman respond to me and have me go Oh, I don't want to be, uh, and and then like contract and I feel the contraction in my body and I say, okay, well, let me think about what I actually want. Do I want to, to be dating? Yes. Do I want to feel okay? Do I don't feel good about feeling sexy. Yes. Great. So if those are my desires, is what I'm feeling right now, feel in alignment to that? No, my body is contracting, which is taking me further from how I would want to respond in my ideal of who I want to be. And so um, then we can let our body start to inform us. And so if I know that I want to be, um, I want to feel safe being sexy. That's important to me. And I want to ha- have that be not about sex. I want that to be about feeling empowered. I want it to feel about feeling expressed. Like this is what sexy means to me. Great. If I know that I want to do that, then if a woman enters into my experience who says, I think you're super sexy and I contract, that is not in alignment with what I actually want. And so I know that somewhere in my system, there is a um, belief pattern that is playing out that I get to find, seek out, and and overwrite. Hmm. I love the way you explain your, I love your self-analysis. It's beautiful and it's, it's easy to follow. And I think very uh, inspirational that people, I, be, I imagine people are tuning into this, you can, kind of pick at this golden thread that Adam has found for himself and resonate deeply. So thank you for sharing all this. Thanks for asking me. Um, the, the, you the sexiness, you're second, you are a sexy man. Thank you. And, uh, I am, are you, you're, you mentioned you're no longer with Azria, which is man, nine and a half years, nine and a half years. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. So it's real, this is a real re- rebirthing for you and maybe the way you, uh, even, relate to your own sexuality and what that means with being sexy. Are you, I'm imagining a lot of women are, are you dating someone now or like what's that story about? Yeah. I'm, I am in a open 
dating dynamic, <laughs> which is odd. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah. ODD. Yeah. So um, basically, I travel a lot. I travel a lot. We were talking before we started recording. I will be on the road from February, and, and I won't be back into California until June. The the woman that uh, who I I met at Burning Man um, completely didn't say a word, just wound up dancing for four hours straight, and it was like this immediate connection. Happened to live in Los Angeles. Amazing. And I've I'm going to spend nine months of the year not in California, at least. And so to navigate that what feels true in my system is that i really enjoy dating her i really enjoy her presence and her company and all the ways that she lights me up and inspires me and um i have no desire to be in a long distance when i'm on the road i get to miss her and facetime her and like turn blinders on to any other women or any other connections or like that doesn't feel good to me um what has felt true is when we're together we're together and then when we're apart we're apart and we can still communicate but there is no restrictions in terms of what i can or cannot do or what she can and cannot do on in her own right while we're doing this and that includes by the way we're in la right now um like she spent the night last night and if she wanted to go on a date with someone tonight that's within our agreements it would we don't act on that because we want to spend as much time as possible with each other while we're in the same place but um that's a completely new dynamic for me the only thing i've ever known is monogamy yeah, I was just about to ask that through your nine and a half years with Azria, did y'all ever experiment with this odd <laughs> no, technique? No, no. The, I mean, we had conversations around what it might be like to have a threesome or something like that or bring in like a, a woman as a, like a muse to, to like date together in a way. Like there were conversations, mm-hmm. um, especially we, <laughs> we moved to Encinitas, which is the polyamory community there is, is, is well known Strong. and yeah and so we were just surrounded by alternative ways of relating that we hadn't experienced before so it led to conversations but never any action and um so this is entirely outside my comfort zone of what i have known this is me breaking normal and it's me honoring what is my truth at this time and the thing is i'm also aware that i may hate it do you know what I mean? I might actually go on the road and not even care about other women and want to um, want to to spend all my focus on this person, even if it is long distance. That hasn't been the case so far. I mean, we've been doing it for four months or so in terms of this odd relating, uh, and uh, it's working so far. Yeah. And have y'all spent time apart out of LA in these four month dynamic as well? What do you mean? Like it's time, the uh, like y'all haven't been in L.A. together for, for all four of these months. No, no, okay. I've I've only been in L.A. for the month of January. Okay, I was on the road for for most of that time, um, <laughs> and so wait, what is that? So September, October, November, December, January. So five months. Only one of them was I in L.A. Um, uh, she came to see me in Bali for just like a week, um, but we go, you know, we'll see each other for a week, two weeks, and then wind up. Um, apart for four to six weeks you know it's like maybe we'll meet up somewhere in the world yeah 
All right, all right. Well, I'll be I'll be excited to see how this evolves for y'all. That does yeah. sound like I'm. Um, congratulations on breaking normal. I bet I bet that it's going to bring up a lot, and probably even considering it would bring up a lot. Yeah, it's it's not easy to to. It hasn't always been easy for me to own what I want and say it's okay to want that. If I say I'm traveling so much that I don't want it to feel like I can't, if I meet someone amazing, connect with them in a physically intimate, sexy way, I don't want to feel that restriction when the person that I'm that I would assign that restriction to would be halfway around the world, because in my mind, I'm gonna. That's gonna lead to resentment. That's gonna lead to feeling trapped. It's gonna lead to all of these other things that I don't have any desire to put on on whatever this odd relationship is and instead my desire is to say i i love you i want to spend time with you when we're in the same place we will and when we're not i want i just want to feel free to to whatever that that looks like to to own that because there's a ton of there's a ton of people listening to this right now who go that's what I want, <laughs> but to actually own that is the result of a, a significant journey of of self worth and self love and saying my desires there's nothing wrong with them there's nothing even if people don't get it or people are like you're all you want is you're like whatever the judgments that that I know people have thrown onto dynamics like this saying that I'm a good person, I'm worthy of, of having my desires met, and that that has taken a lot of work to get there and claim that. And have y'all have there have y'all explored it when y'all are separate? Like explored those desires to be <laughs> free. You're going there, Daniel. I'm, You're I, just going there. I did ask like, you, and if you don't want to go there, that's fine because I know it involves someone else that's not in the conversation. So. Oh, no. I'm, I'm totally good. Okay. I, I won't say any names. Uh, but the, yeah, so basically, so everyone's aware. Let's just go into my, my sex life here. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, so, for, sorry, just His, getting, bringing my dog up on my lap. Everyone's like, what was that? Pause. His um, dog just jumped in his lap, which is interesting. It's like fun to think about. And it's on a video. So I'll just check the links to find the video if you want to see his dog. is awesome. She's, she's the most beautiful creature. She's worth just checking out the video just to see her. She is. Um, so, yeah, for nine and a half years, I slept with the same woman. One woman never strayed from that. And... Um, yeah, not not even like no making out with anyone else. Like it was just Azria, and um, since breaking up, we broke up six, seven, six months ago, seven months ago, something like that. And I have slept with two women since then in seven months. One is the woman that I'm in this odd relating with, um, and one was uh, a woman that I met uh, in Thailand. And it was unplanned. It wasn't like we were playing any games for a week or anything like that. It was um, we met at an ecstatic dance, had a brief exchange. That was it. And then um, we're going to a um, party and happened through mutual friends to also be going to that party and like wound up. Oh, yeah. Hi, blah, blah, blah. And 
yeah, had a wonderful, beautiful night. What's funny is I don't know if that's technically a one-night stand <laughs> because te- I think one-night stands, you have to meet them on the night. Yeah, that's like a one-and-a-half. One-and-a-half <laughs> night stand, which is the first time I've ever done that. It's the first time in my life because I haven't been – I started dating Azria when I was 23, basically. And so being an, a single adult – because all the relations before were like college, but being a single adult, I don't really have a reference point for. I'm learning that. That's new for me. Um, Asria wasn't the first woman you slept with, was no. she? Okay. No. I'm just, I'm just following now that we're actually yeah. open the chapter. But basically, about three sex life three only. women in ten years. Um, and what's interesting about that that most recent woman was because of the agreements I have in place, um, with the woman that I'm dating, uh, in this odd way, <laughs> is uh. If we sleep with someone else, we let the other person know. That's out of respect for so many different reasons. But um, so I had the <laughs> I got to have have these intimate relations, and then within two days, basically get on a FaceTime call with this woman I'd been seeing for months. Say hey, so something I want to talk to you about. This is something we've talked about in context and concept, and now it really happened. So. Here we go. And I told her, and she ha- she basically said, I want to know the story. I want to know what happened. And mm-hmm. so I got to retell the entire story. And, um, yeah, and we're still, we're great. We're great. And I could, I could sit here, Daniel, and tell you all the ways in which that interaction with that woman in Thailand added more value to my relationship. And then the curious, my curious mind wants to know if it, that has those roles been reversed where she got to tell you about anything. No, she, those roles have not been reversed. Uh, not yet. And the, the closest would be when we first started dating. Uh, and this is so funny because this is one of our most popular episodes of the show. It's called, uh, the, I think, The Gray Zone, something about the gray zone. <laughs> I like and, that. Um, but essentially she had, uh, she had sent me a, a message saying, Oh, I have this funny story to tell you. And, and it was the whole thing. And I had to like pull it out of her piece by piece, little bit by bit over the course of weeks to come to find out that she had gone to Vegas with someone, spent the night in a hotel room, had some sort of make out, whatever. And like it had started with, I had this funny story with an old flame and we were just closing it out because it wasn't the right fit. Like it started like that. And then to find out it was this overnight Vegas adventure um, was was an issue for me. Bec- and that's where the transparency and the authenticity and the vulnerability and the honesty come in, which is I slept with someone. I'll tell you anything you want to know because like this relationship is still important to me. And um that's the best we can do. It's when we start to hide it. It's when we start to try and sugarcoat it and try and present it in ways to, to satisfy some ulterior motive. Like that's when people's feelings get really hurt. That's when, that's when, um, you can do some serious damage to people's trust. And, um, my whole thing, (laughs) just who I am as a person and how I relate to people is you're going to get the real me. You're going to get the authenticity. I don't want to try and manage any sort of lie or anything. I'm just going to give it to you straight. Yeah. I find that to be in a way that maybe the most mentally challenge, like it seems like culturally and mentally challenging path, but in my speaking of the difference between that and how my body and my truth feels, it seems much easier to, uh, tell the truth (laughs) 
I think there's like a Mark Twain quote: "When someone tells the truth, they have nothing to remember." Mm-hmm. I can resonate with that. Well, the um, the beautiful thing, and it's an amazing quote, by the way. The beautiful thing about it is that there's the only reason that people would be scared of telling the truth is that they don't yet have enough self love to believe that they are acting from love. Because if you can sit here and say, and I can say, Daniel, I'm coming from love fully. I trust that. I believe in my integrity. I believe in who I am as a person. I feel like I've worked very hard to be the guy I am today. Then any action I take, I can trust is coming from that place and I can stand behind it. And therefore your reaction to it, like, I don't want to tell you anything that hurts your feelings. I don't want to tell you anything that, that causes you discomfort or pain. And if I do, I can still stand behind the action. And for a lot of people I, I've i worked with and a lot of people I've spoken to, there is a, a severe doubt in so many people around, like, am I a good person? in the in those moments we talk about plant medicines like in those moments that dark night of the soul where you really face off with yourself do you do you believe you're choosing love do you believe you're coming from that and if the answer is no or if the answer is sometimes great awesome you now have a goal right there you have a goal you say okay i'm not yet the person that i know i can be awesome what does it look like to become that person what would that person do right now yeah, yeah. I think I um, speaking of viral videos in this topic, I think I saw a Matthew McConaughey speech go viral <laughs> about who his, his he himself ten years from now is his hero, mm-hmm. and he never will be that, mm-hmm. but he keeps aiming for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful path. I uh, I honor you for. Yeah, I think there is a nice correlation there with the ease to tell the truth is probably correlated with how much someone's choosing self love. Mm-hmm. Totally. And the ease to just go through life is directly correlated to how much someone's choosing self-love, right? The ability to say, yeah, my desire is to not be living in this city and, and feeling stuck. Oh, great. Amazing. So do you love yourself enough to take action on that? Or is the fear of letting your friends and family down and the fear of, of not making it in whatever industry you want to go out and pursue, is that, are you going to give into that? And my whole mission is just to remind people that it's all choice. At the end of the day, this is all choice. You don't have to choose the path of of self-love. You don't have to do that. You don't have to leave your job or your relationship. You don't have to um, be an entrepreneur or like you don't have to do anything that that you don't choose. But anything that you are going to do, I empower you to take ownership that it's a choice take ownership that yeah oh it's you feel like you can't you can't possibly get on that bus and go out to los angeles and pursue a dream career as an actor or something because you don't have the money or the skills or whatever there's plenty of stories of people who did for for just about anything no matter what your circumstances are you can find a story of someone who had more seemingly more difficulties or more struggles or more obstacles in their way that they overcame it yeah i and as like the angels advocate i immediately think of people that may have really been in situations that like they really didn't like you mentioned the holocaust like my mm-hmm. grand i thought about my grandparents being in the holocaust and surviving that and but then even in dire situations i really it, i believe it's fundamentally true what you're saying because they still have 
the choice of how to perceive what's happening. And that's like where some of the most heroic, um, heartful stories I've ever heard are people that survived the Holocaust and uh, chose to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, A Man's Search for Meaning, right? Victor Frankl wrote that book, which is incredible. So incredible. Um, and telling his story of it. And I, this this goes back to the the eternal question that I get, which is, well, what about the starving kids in Africa? Like, what about the starving? They didn't choose that. They didn't choose that. What I, what I concede to people all the time is if you believe that this whole game of life is um, limited to this one timeline, this one lifetime, um, it's nearly impossible to believe in, in choice at, at that level. If you don't believe that the soul has a journey that goes beyond this one life, um, yeah, that the choice becomes uh, a very difficult pill to swallow a lot of times. Um, so my spiritual exploration um, has given me my belief system around there being many, many things beyond this one lifetime that I believe um, I will experience and am experiencing when we get rid of the linearity of time. And so I, as I'm speaking to this, I also want to acknowledge that my choice, my choice is mine in any given moment. So when I get that bill, this is something I, I used to work with clients on. They get a bill in the mail and their choice was, oh shit, how am I going to pay for this? Ah, oh, I can't believe they, we used this much electricity this, this month or whatever. Immediately, there's a response, and I was I was one of these people. I was like, cell phone bill comes in. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to pay this. And that's a choice to show up in that moment in that way. But what is also a choice is to receive that bill and go, wow, yeah, look how much electricity I had this month. Like, look at the all the people in the world who don't have electricity. Look at the cell phone. I only this this is my opportunity to give my energy and say thank you for this cell phone which is letting me operate my business which is letting me stay connected to my loved ones at any moment is giving me the internet and social media at my disposal at any point which in its own right is amazing those are all choices and when we start to add those up when you start to add up all the little choices you're making about how you respond to the bills and how you respond to the traffic that you're driving in and how you respond to your job when you get there and how you respond to your your wife or your husband when they say that thing that has needles at you, each of those choices will add up. And what when you add it all up, you have a, a life. <laughs> you have a life. And so it's the life that you design by choice. Man, I feel like that's a, a good thing to conclude on, letting that um, really echo, really echo that echo, echo, choice, 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 choose love, choose love. So the art of choosing love.com, huh? The art of choosing find all the things you're Yeah, up we to. just put it all up there so you can see it all. Uh, AdamRoa.com for more of, of my kind of stuff. Um, and then all the socials, man. Instagram, Adam.roa, Facebook, Adam Roa. It's all there. 
Well, uh, thank you for making love go viral. <laughs> self-love, above all else, self-love has gone viral, which is amazing, Daniel, because what it means is people are hungry for it, man. They want it. Self-love is something that that people are craving. It is the, it is, I don't know, it's, it, I used to think it was so lame. <laughs> Like talking about loving yourself is so lame, and here I am, like my voice talking about self-love has gone viral. But it's it is the foundation to just everything. It's so fundamental that I feel like there is nothing more important than investing your time or your money into learning how to love yourself. Choose love, y'all. Keep breaking normal. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, brother. Peace. Always a pleasure. And yes. You. you. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, everyone. I trust y'all are so enjoying these transmissions, becoming more of an in a state of awe, more in a state of joy, bliss, blessed. The attitude of gratitude is growing in you. You're becoming a magnet for unavoidable success more and more every day. So you're experiencing life in the most heavenly way you ever have now. And that it only gets better from here on out. That's my prayer for us. And that we're uh, giving our gifts generally, generously, generously. That uh, our cups are spilling over. And if we want to get something to give it, wow. It's been a lot to keep up with. With traveling with... Uh, our baby and Deanna and all these different climates. Like literally someone can drive to snow, to the beach, to the desert, to valleys, to rivers, all in one day on this island. And with my ambition for adventure, it's been pretty it's been a pretty fun opportunity to stay grounded and also prioritize this podcast and my other projects that are built around my passion. Um, if you want to team up with me right now, I think our number one offering I'm most excited about is uh, on February 22nd, we'll launch our next tribe design facilitator training for up to 22 people. And that will, uh, that what that looks like is a month long virtual training. It's awesome. Life changing. I mean, if you're attached to seeking affirmations for your limitations, or are you looking to surround yourself with people that don't hold you accountable to your highest, it's probably not for you. But if you're ready to go all in on your dreams and start living like today is the best day ever, and we're not sure how many days we'll have, but we're willing to go all in in the meantime, this is for you. If you want to cultivate the art of being able to design a tribe wherever in the world you go, that you just become a, a magnet for connection and that you understand how to connect people, even if they don't agree with one another, able to uh, basically be a catalyst for heart sync over group think. If that's something you're looking for or being able to re facilitate retreats that get you paid to share your passion in a way that feels good and makes like money more clean in my opinion. I think a lot of people think money is dirty because they're trading their time doing something they don't want to do to see numbers move on their screen. And that's one of those moments I would ask you to ask how much is making this money costing me? How much is saving money costing me? And tr just to treat money as there's no shortage of it because in reality, money is made up and how can something made up be scarce? So I trust all these podcasts and transmission are getting you to go all in on your dreams and passions beyond your stories around money, time, or space because those seem the cultural norms that most people are ready to break through to start living a more liberated life rather than under someone else's ploy.
So if this resonates with you, go ahead and send your application in today at internationaltribedesign.com and one of our awesome team members will get back to you to explore if you're a good fit because if you are, we want you to start running retreats around the world, designing tribes based on what lights you up the most. Build the people and the places will come. And that seems to be a real reality here. While I've been out here in Hawaii, so many people want to show me their the land they're stewarding, the retreat centers they're building, the ideas around designing functional tribes that are thriving rather than the vicious circle of some of the cultures that are not working. It's been such an inspiring trip, and uh, I'm, I'm wanting to team up with the people that are taking the time out of their day to tune in and listen to these ideas about Breaking Normal. And if you're ready to take action, hit me up, breakingnormal.com. I trust if, if you're feeling the call, we'll see you in Austin, and uh, we'll get you trained to start facilitating your own events and maybe some even tribe designs. That's what's happening in Austin. Three people that have gone through the program are actually facilitating this event, and our intention is to show up as either supporters or uh, special guests, but more as a um, as experiencing the experience as an attendee, like maybe you who's listening will be. So if you're ready to celebrate life in a tribe design in one of the greatest places on earth, the greatest time to be there, I'm trusting I'll see you in my inbox or I'll see an application from you. And we'll get ready to party in all the cool ways. In all the ways that make everything better. This is not like an experience of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's like what happens at a tribe design upgrades everything forever. Hmm. Aloha, y'all. Keep breaking normal.